It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now? at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Good evening, North Carolina, and thank you for joining us once again on Money Matters with the Lewises. This is Linda Lewis. And this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And this is their daughter, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we are here tonight to answer your questions regarding anything that's on your mind. Yes, we uh, are so grateful to all our new listeners. Uh, You know, our show is on Saturday and Sunday, and we've seen... Many new listeners that have been coming for appointments at the office during the week. And thank really you has. for all the new <laughs> listeners that have been coming aboard. That's encouraging because sometimes we forget that other people have other plans <laughs> on a Sunday than to go sit and listen to the Lewis family. <laughs> oh, you're funny. But it is amazing how many times we hear during a week when we're meeting with new people. Wow, I've been listening to you guys as I was coming home from the beach or I was headed um, home from visiting relatives. And we're so glad that you're out there giving advice on these financial planning topics. And it's been a hot week. <laughs> it's been a beach week, <laughs> even yes, the weekend. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. And um, hope everyone had a good fourth. We sure enjoyed uh, watching the Capitol Fourth celebration in Washington, D.C. It made you feel real patriotic, didn't it? Oh, proud to be an American. Yes, indeed. It really did. <laughs> well, Doug, Deborah, a lot has been happening in the market as well. Yeah, the Dow Jones closed the week. We're still up. We're 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 quite up, as a matter of fact. Twenty one thousand four fourteen was the close. Uh, the markets themselves were mixed during the holiday shortened week. Uh, the financial sector outperformed as investors responded to rising bond yields. Crude oil prices declined a little bit, even as inventories in the U.S. fell to their lowest levels since January. Central banks were in focus as policymakers acknowledge improvements in the global economy. The European Central Bank and the Bank of England each indicated they may consider easing monetary stimulus. The shift corresponds with the release of minutes from the Federal Reserve's June meeting, which pointed to further interest rate hikes despite the recent softening in inflation. And economic data supported expectations for improving global economic growth. So looking ahead, the global central banks are more likely to raise interest rates or otherwise tighten monetary policies as the economies around the world improve. 
The most recent cycle of rising rates in the U.S. occurred from May June May 20, 2004 to June 2006, and many investors that have limited recollection of that period may view a series of interest rate increases with uncertainty. Historically, rising rate cycles, which typically last between two to four years, correspond with improving economic conditions. They're often accompanied by bull markets. The current cycle, according to many people, began in December 2015 when the Fed funds rate rose a little bit from a quarter of a percent to half a percent. And I personally believe that given its low starting point, the slow pace of rate hikes since then and accelerating economic growth trends around the world, the cycle may continue for an extended duration. Therefore, I personally remain optimistic regarding the longer-term outlook for stocks. You know, I think that's what's been the overriding principle in everything that uh, you and I have been on uh, hearing, speaking with managers about, and definitely getting a sense that the strength that we're feeling now is not something that came um, as a mis- as as a as a fluke. Right, right, or even a surprise to us, because as you said, Deborah, you and I have met with a, a number of mutual fund research analysts and mutual fund managers, and uh, this was. A number of months ago, they were saying the same thing, that economic prospects look very good, not only in the U.S., but actually around the world, a very unusual position that uh, the global economies and the U.S. economies are all positive and projecting more positivism. I mean, just think about the, the this week's appointments at Lewis Financial Management with new clients and old clients. When we're looking back at managers' performance over the past 12 months, it's surprisingly good if you're only looking at the short term. Mm-hmm. And it's really optimistic that you're not hearing anything is new or based on new things, but on really good management style along, you know, along the way and throughout the good and bad times. And if you have questions about your financial planning, call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. You know, Deborah, you're reminding me that one of the appointments you're talking about that happened last week mm-hmm. was in what we call an annual review meeting. And many of our listeners don't know that not only do we do our radio program for many years now, 27, 27 years now, but we actually are meeting with clients face to face month after month, year after year. Some of those clients have been long-term clients of ours now for over 30 years, but we always are meeting with them on a regular basis, at least for their annual review. Some of them want to have a quarterly review, but we meet with reviews so that we're always watching what's happening to their portfolios and their financial independence feasibility. That's very important because a lot of people out there, they just think of a money person as someone who sells you something and that's it. And then the transaction is over. The transaction is over. And that's is, all it was. You had an annuity sold to you and that was the end of the game. Right. You know, that couldn't be the more opposite of what we do for financial planning for our clients, which is true, comprehensive financial planning. And that comprehensive financial planning is not only financial planning with regard to investments. It's tax planning. It's cash flow planning. It's investment planning. It's estate planning. 
It's insurance planning. It's all aspects of financial planning. And all these things lattice together to bring together everything that you need to know about your financial planning life. Now, Doug, Linda, in regard to tax planning, yesterday's Wall Street Journal had a really interesting and topical article. Yeah, it was it was very intriguing because it was a major decision that was made that's going to affect a lot of people. Uh, the headline on the article talked about a face-off between the Boston Bruins and the IRS. Now, uh, the the victory was the Boston Bruins over the IRS, and that victory just last week is going to resonate far beyond what the the Bruins do for a living. Because the case that was referenced there was Jacobs versus Commissioner. That's the owners of the National Hockey League's Bruins. They argued that the team should be able to deduct 100% of the cost of certain meals that it provided to their players and their staff. Now, a lot of us know that under current law, only 50% of the cost of business meals is tax deductible. The Bruins' victory has potentially opened up a new tax maneuver for many businesses. Now they may be able to write off twice as much as they thought allowable for meals provided to large groups at business meetings far from company headquarters. Yeah, that's big time news for those of us that have our own businesses and for our clients that are uh, self-employed or entrepreneurs that have businesses. Anyone who has a business now, they just got a free ticket to double their deductions. And that's very powerful. It was the 1980s Congress scaled back the deductions for business meal expenses. So today, in most cases, only 50% of those business meals are tax deductible. For example, meals provided to employees on a business's premises can be 100% deductible by the company and not taxable to the employee if they're provided for the convenience of the employer and they meet other conditions. Now, tax experts said that this ruling could have even broader implications. Some businesses periodically bring far-flung employees together for training or coordination, and if they meet the conditions set forth in that opinion, they might also qualify for a deduction of the 100% of meal expenses for employees who attend rather than the 50% write-off as it is now. Yeah, this was pretty exciting actually to me because we do comprehensive financial planning. It's not clear right now how the rules would apply to meetings at restaurants or other types of company meetings, but there are a whole bunch of possibilities here. The case is a victory, in my opinion, for taxpayers But the IRS's guidance in this area is a little bit murky. So if you're out there listening, I think you probably need professional help. And that's what we offer at Lewis Financial Management. Call us during the week, 919-872-7000. Call us and we will schedule an appointment to meet with you and discuss your entire financial world. But I think right now we have a caller on hold. So let's take Andy's call. Andy, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening? Andy, can you hear us? Hello? Hello? Oh, Hello. there you are. Can you speak up a little bit, Andy? We can't hear you quite well. sorry. Can you hear me now? Oh, that's much better. Sorry about that. Yeah, how can um, we help you this evening? 
Uh, well, a couple of things, guys, and I want to say thanks again because I've learned so much over the years from this program every Sunday night, and, and I've just started doing the Saturday night program as well, so thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Oh, thank you, Andy. Um, so the first question is this. Um, so uh, I am in the process right now of pretty much paying down all of my revol- my debt, my outstanding debt outside of my mortgage, okay? Okay. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm in the last leg or two of it, and I wanted to get some feedback from you. So I have an employee stock purchase plan. All right. I take 15% out of my paycheck. I get paid twice a month. And it's in a, the employee stock purchase plan is basically set up such that in six-month increments that they'll take, the, for example, the stock price on June 1st and then November 30 at the end of six months. Whichever one is lower at the end of that six-month period, they take 15% off the top, and that's what I pay for my per-share price. So I can either be sitting really good or at a minimum make 15% right away. All right. Um, what I've done, though, so because I have, I, you know, I work in the biotech industry, so I, I'm in the pro. I'm, I need to lower my percentages uh, in terms of my company stock. I know that, but my question is this for you: so I need to take about twelve thousand dollars in stock that is in several different tax lots, and this is post-tax money, obviously. Do you have a recommendation? Because some of the stock that I have bought, I'll be selling at a loss. Some has is about even. Some is a little bit of a profit. Do you? The first question I have, and I have another one after this, is: Do you have some guidance on which tax lot would I want to sell to essentially use that money to apply towards paying off some debt? Well, let me get a few more facts. How old are you, Andy? Fifty-one. You're fifty-one. Are you married or single? Married, two kids. Married, two kids, and your income? About about one thirty. Hundred and thirty. Your wife's income? Started working part time, so that's nominal. All right. So the family income is one hundred and thirty thousand, and you have two children at home. Mm-hmm. What are your expenses on? Uh, what does it cost to support the the four of y'all? Uh, we're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of let's see, between the mortgage. I haven't I haven't gotten the, the granularity that I should based on listening to your program. But if I had to ballpark it, I'd probably say I'm looking at about. Uh, Five thousand a month. So about sixty thousand a year. Your expenses, and of course that leaves seventy thousand left over. Some of that goes out for taxes, of course. Uh, what does your investment portfolio look like? What do you have right now in investments that's not in your retirement plan? So uh, pretty much out, and I'm 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 four hundred one k heavy. And from your guidance before, I know that I'm light on the post tax investments, but I have about. 65000 right now in this employee stock purchase plan. Is that the only investment you have no, that's after no, tax? No. Oh. I, have, um, I have like a money market account with about fifteen grand. That's kind of a rainy day fund if I lose my job, what have you. Right. Um, and then I also have about another 5000 in individual stocks. Okay. So on the other side, the qualified money, the 401k and IRAs, what do you have over there? If I add up the the self-directed IRA, which is former 401k, and a couple of pensions pieces that would come to me, I'm probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 425000 And break apart the 401k and the IRA in, in ballpark there. So the self-directed IRA that I have, um, which used to be 401k money from previous employers, right. uh, 325. All right. So okay. that 325 you rolled over, which leaves you with about your present 401k, you've got about 100,000 in it. Well, 
Well, the hundred thousand is my present four hundred one k. Right, right. And also, I have some money that's uh, small pensions from two previous employers that I'll get paid when I retire. Okay, so now, uh, and you're in the process of paying down debt. Yes, sir. What's the debt from other than the mortgage? So I have about uh, I consolidated some car debt, which is about ten grand. And then I have another 2000 which uh, I had to replace the air conditioning system. So that's on a store card that I've been paying down. So on those debts that you're paying down, do so you that's know what the, the 12, interest, Yeah, that's the $12,000 you were speaking of. But it seems... To get rid of them. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why you're small. doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, um, well, how much is... Okay, so do you own your home? Yes, I own it, and I probably got about one hundred and sixty thousand in equity. I have about one hundred and sixty mortgage right now left. So, so back back to the 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 broad picture first of what you've got. All right, you've got almost ninety percent of, well, maybe eighty percent of your investments are in pre tax dollars, Mm -hmm. which means at the time that you retire, that's when you'll be paying the highest tax. Correct, and that's and that's why right now. I'm I'm currently only putting like two percent because my my four one k match is very poor with this current employer, which is why I'm only doing the employee stock purchase plan, and I'm doing just a nominal two percent into my four hundred one k. Because they match you at two percent, is that right? Well, they'll match half of that. Yeah, that, yeah, one percent. So they fifty cents on the dollar up to the up to their up to two percent. Yes, I got it. Okay, now this purchase that you're buying, so the big thing when i look at your world i say whoa this guy's got a big problem everything is over there inside of qualified accounts which when he does retire he's going to end up paying double tax on of if he and if he'd had it over on the other side but you're telling me on the other side you don't really have anything other than stock in one company right I recognize the exposure. And, and, yeah, and at the same time, you're telling me you've got an emergency fund of 15000 for the day you get fired from this company. So you're, you, you recognize the huge risk of investing in your own company, your time. Why are you giving them more than your time? I would definitely not be investing in company stock at all. Well, the only, the only and I think where, where my mindset is changing right now, because I was just trying to get one thing done at a time. It's important to me for my own mental sanity and fiscal plan that I want to get all the revolving debt outside of my mortgage paid for. And so then, because I'm 51, I want to start saving aggressively because I feel like if there's any way I can retire at 65, I want to. Um, and that's why I, once I pay this off, this debt, I want to basically uh, basically stop it, putting money in my 401k and I'm just going to put start putting huge amounts of money in post-tax Okay, so here, all right. So here, here's what my advice is. Number one, uh, what was the term you said for your own mental? What was the term you used? Mental sanity. Your <laughs> mental sanity. All right, you have a pen near you. Yes, sir. Okay, write down nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. That's nine one nine. USA 7000. That's my office. You need to schedule a meeting to meet with me and I'm going to deal with your mental sanity, your fiscal sanity for also, because this is what you need is you need proper advice. And, and the first part retirement planning. Yeah, advice. Yeah, it's pre-retirement advan- planning. Ideal. You want financial independence. You're taking money that could be growing in a predictable way at a higher rate than to, to pay off this debt here 
and you're just delaying, that that would not be the way I would do it. That's number one. Number two, of course, I would never be investing in my own company. Uh, that That's wrong. So there are a number of things. So if you ask me, do I have a priority of which ones to pay? You've already found out that some of this, of investing in your own company, sometimes is a lose because you said some of the stocks are at a loss already. So you've already seen the lesson that it's a bad deal. There's no guarantee you can make money at all waiting for that 15% uh, carrot they put in front of you. Well, so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. If I if I would follow your advice, though, because no matter what, I automatically will make 15% on my money because I could sell the stock day one when I when it's turned over to me at the end of every six months. I will, at a minimum, make fifteen percent on my money because I will get, I will get the stock purchased at a price fifteen percent lower than the lower of two prices at the beginning. I, I understand that. I've had clients tell me that since the nineteen eighties when IBM offered the same thing. Okay, the only difference is they changed their policy of when you could turn around and liquidate it. But that's you're still betting, you're speculating, you're taking your whole future. Right. Financial it's, independence. It's not, don't do it, Andy. Here's what it is. It's it's that should be in addition to already having, and this is why we, we would encourage you to call, come in so we could talk specifics, is a real plan on how to have real diversified investments that are out there just in the world of, let's just take any type, mutual funds. There's over 8,500 and you're not accessing any of them. So a couple hours of financial planning of advice, and you would see that there's a whole bunch more. Even if you decided to purchase stock, that's fine, but that's not the only thing that's available to you. And you are right. You need to be aggressively accumulating on the non-retirement side. And then you see, once we once you're in front of us and we've got real numbers, we're going to be able to project for you when you will be able to. To retire when when you'll be able to be right. financially independent because we can put some true projections there. You can't put a projection on how much uh, you're going to make on this. This 15% can disappear the next day the market drops. Uh, so that's not a way that you project. You don't project your future based on how much one stock is going to go up. Or it up. seems a, it seems it seems a very aggressive way to start a personal portfolio. So so here's what I would say is um, definitely give us a call at nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. This is where where everyone begins is with an advice session. So it won't be about products. It won't be about that. It'll be hey, how do we get you, Andy, with your particulars to your estimated date of 65 when you really want to retire with real firm numbers. Yeah, I would my, I would not recommend when you you wanted to know which stocks to sell, I would not have you sell any of them. My advice is don't sell any of them. You don't have capital gains anywhere in anything else to offset it very much, so I would leave the stock there and just stop buying it and I would not worry about paying down that debt. I would worry more about having a plan. Okay, I guess. Well, that, then that's the discussion because I'm 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 struggling with because even if the company, like, I'll put it this way, I'm in the process. I'm, I am I am selling off this individual stock because of my exposure. You know, I still have a belief in my employer, so I'm going to keep a small position, but certainly not what I have right now. And um, but I I guess I guess I, I'll put it this way. I don't want to eat up too much airtime. I'll. Uh, it's probably beneficial to have a contact. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'm really eager to go in and speak to you about some of your own personal world and stuff that you can't discuss on the air because I really think that you're 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 a perfect candidate for financial planning 
And you're right there. You're still in your 50s. You're not in your 70s. You've got time in front of you. Right. And I want to just say, um, you know, I commend you that you've accumulated what you have. Not a lot, though. I know. And it could be more. And I think with, you know, doing comprehensive financial planning, as Deborah and Doug have said, I think and then having your wife also in the picture, you know, so that you're both on the same page about planning for financial independence and future retirement. And, you know, I think you would benefit from coming in for a session. I really, I yeah, really believe. The result of the section, the session that we have together may be, okay, let's go ahead and liquidate, sell all the stock, wipe out what the gains, some of the gains with some of the losses and reposition it. But that, I wouldn't even recommend that until after we look at the broader picture. Yeah. Now, Andy, you had said that there were, this was one of two questions. Yeah, the other, so the other one briefly, and again, you know, I'm sure that, the answer to this question would depend on the individual in front of you, but I have, so my investments that I have right now, my accounts that I have, are in general with my wife. I don't have any trust set up. Everything is joint tenants with right of survivorship. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then beyond that, the, the secondary beneficiaries are my two daughters. Um, so I know one of the things that I need to do is to think about maybe a trustee or something like that, if something to have before the kids are of age, legal age. But in general, do you recommend, without knowing the end of the particular nuances, which can change the, the recommendation, joint tenant with right of survivorship for couples? Well, yeah, your wife's got it, but you, but you can't. But you're only talking about the sixty-five thousand in your home. You don't. There's no such thing as joint tenancy on an IRA or a four hundred one k. I, well, that's just a beneficiary. beneficiary. Yeah, that's a straight yeah. beneficiary. But yes, and, to answer and the question, you wouldn't you wouldn't leave it to your daughters because they pay tax. You want to leave it to your wife for sure. So that's out of the equation for the rest of the stuff that you've got the home and the sixty five thousand and the money market. Uh, yeah, that that doesn't matter. It's yeah. it, it it's not an issue. But you bring up a good point, which is: Do we answer questions specifically when clients come in? to give advice on estate planning, ownership, there really is nothing that we don't because we are experts on multi, multiple disciplines. So while this is not a specific investment question for you and other listeners, it might have been brought up in your mind. Hey, do they know about how we should own our assets? Why, yes, we do. Hey, have you drawn up a will? I, I have done the uh, the online speedy version, but I, oh. I always thought that I should come to a financial planner before I go to a lawyer. Well, good. Give us a call at 919-872-7000. We look forward to meeting with you. Thanks, guys. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Have a great week. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you have a question about your situation, call us on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And if you're ready to schedule an appointment because you've still got questions about your financial planning and pre-retirement planning like Andy, call us at the office. We'll be happy to schedule an appointment with you. That number is 919-872-7000. That's USA 7000. Well, Doug, Linda, what's new in the world of retirement planning and retirement plans? Yeah, you know, I'm really glad with regard to Andy's call because he is the under the, the question behind the question that he was giving us. Do we have general 
principles that we apply to everybody in every situation? And the short answer is no. There are no general principles that we apply. We customize everything. And this one person wrote in and said, I'm self-employed. I want to contribute to a simple employee pension called a SEP or a sole 401k. Can I also contribute the full amount to a Roth IRA? Okay, so that's a very good question because the answer is your IRA contributions don't affect your SEP or sole 401k limits. The IRA can be a Roth if your modified adjusted gross income is less than 133000 And if you file taxes as an individual, it could be 196000 If you're married and file jointly, the contribution amount starts to phase out if you earn more than 118000 for singles, 186000 if married filing jointly. You can also contribute up to 20% of your net self-employment income to a SEP with a maximum of 54000 this year in 2017. Or you can contribute up to 18000 plus up to 20% of your net self-employment income to a solo 401k, up to a $54,000 maximum. And people that are over 50, it can be 60000 maximum. And if you have a spouse and the income is right, it can be 120000 That's so Doug, powerful. Right. And, and really, that is, that is the, the, overwhel- the overwhelming um, misnomers that you might not think that there's a lot more options out there as self-employed folks. And there really are. There's a lot of power behind both of these options. So if you're self-employed and have questions, give us a call this week. We're Doug Lewis, Deborah Lewis. Certified Financial Planners at Lewis Financial Management. Now, the lower your self-employed income, the more you can contribute to the sole 401k compared to the SEP. If, for example, you have 18000 in net self-employment income, you could contribute the full 18000 if it's a sole 401k, but you can contribute only 3600 to the SEP. Which is a huge difference. It is. It is. It's, really so at, that, at that point of the discussion, it leans more towards the solo 401k versus the SEP. Now, we haven't mentioned the Roth yet. If you work full time and contribute to your employer's 401k, but also do some freelance work on the side, you can contribute to a SEP. Your 401k contributions don't affect your SEP limits, which are based on your self-employment income. So let me put it this way. There is no one size fits all. That's the first thing. Uh, I have seen general principles in articles that I laugh at that lean towards, oh, a Roth 401k is the better. Uh, It doesn't work that way. It works as the way we were trying to tell Andy. I want to look at the entire picture. Exactly. I want to look at your whole financial world and I want to see which side the qualified tax-deferred side or the non-qualified after-tax side and see how much they are in balance. Then I want to go ahead and see if indeed they are in balance, what are your taxes? I want to analyze your taxes. Once I've analyzed your taxes, if indeed you're in a high tax bracket and you're able to do the SEP, the SEP can be very, very powerful. There's nothing, nothing really like it. There, there's one other one that's that can work like that. But I like the SEP because indeed it can put aside up to a hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and you're just moving it from one pocket to another pocket and getting this huge tax deduction for it. But uh, that's that's the story 
on what's uh, happening in the world of retirement planning, people are throwing in this question of what about the Roth IRA? And if you have questions about your money, call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. I agree with you, Doug and Deborah. Um, Each person's situation is different. I mean... Plus or minus a few zeros, right? That's right. That, that's all. You've always said that, Linda. You know, um, Linda, just as a little princess, did you see that caller that called us two weeks ago and said, what's the minimum I need to be able to meet with you? And we wrote him back. We said, there is no minimum. If you've got 50000 if you've got 5000 or, or if five you have million. $5 million, it's just a matter of zeros. It's a matter of, it's your world. And I would add to that, that many of the times, it's not even a money question. It's just a, hey, here's my story. Here's my scenario. What's your best advice? Exactly. And, you know, uh, it's important uh, to write down your questions because your questions may be different than your wife's questions. And your one spouse's questions are probably going to be more complicated than the other's. And the options may be there. Uh, Andy, our friend Andy, um, wants to plan for retirement, and I commend him for calling at this point because many of the the folks that do call us come when they're 62 or 65, and maybe an event like mom's got uh, dementia and we have to make a decision about, you know, a nursing home or – I just inherited money or my spouse died and I inherited his IRA. So whatever the questions are, write them down. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. What we do is comprehensive financial planning to address your particular situation. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug, Linda, what's new in the world of financial planning? Well, some folks are afraid of a stock market correction. And in that case, we say, get a plan. And uh, recently, uh, Chrissy Smith wrote an article in Investment Advisor, and many clients do have this question, don't they, Doug? Yeah, you know, lately it seems as if every client or potential client that I see asks about the possibility of a looming market correction. That's what they're asking. Investors are loving these good times, but they're smart. They know that markets run in cycles and that good times don't last forever. And they keep pointing out to me that markets keep hitting record highs. And that's true. We're in the second largest and longest bull run in history, and yet there is uncertainty globally and in the U.S. with our new president. When people ask if a correction is coming and what they say, you know, what they should do to prepare, our answer for most is, hey, stay the course. If you have a plan and the plan is realistic, because whether you're still working or already retired, consistency pays off especially in uncertain times when a market correction is on many people's minds. It may be best to stick to your plan. If you don't, if you overreact, you could end up making financial decisions that may set you back in your strategy. Of course, if you're worried because you don't have a plan 
or that the plan that you have in place is not the best, then what you need to do is call us. We're Doug Lewis, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planners at Lewis Financial Management. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Yes, so there are three things, of course. Number one, you need professional advice. Perhaps you've been handling things just fine on your own with your 401k or your 403b. As you near retirement, however, it's time to speak to a certified financial planner like myself or my daughter, Deborah, who can help you take the focus away from accumulation and growth and put it on income planning and asset protection. You need to know if there are any redundancies in your current portfolio, if you are truly diversified, and if you're paying any unnecessary fees. You also should talk about risk. How much can you stomach emotionally? How much can you afford? And how much is in your current portfolio? We can help you assess and assign and align your risk. This is especially important if you're anticipating a market downturn and might be tempted to make changes based on your anxiety. Number two, set up a retirement blueprint. A lot of people have piles of statements from different accounts, but that doesn't always mean that they have a strategy in place. In retirement, you'll need a detailed plan for your money, and that plan should help give you more confidence that you will be okay and your family will be okay. Yeah, when people tend to get out of the market, it's when it's down, and by then they've already lost money. Then they may get back in when it's coming around again, but by then most of the gains could already have been made. That bad timing can be very, very costly. You know, the third thing to know is you need to know the difference between general advice and personal advice. The old school equation for diversification being a 60-40 split between stocks and bonds, well, that's not always a good scenario. But these days, there are so many more options, both for protection and growth. If, If the interest rates themselves continue to rise, it could have a ripple effect and the bond market likely will suffer. In retirement, that may not help you as an inflation hedge, so it's important to look for alternatives such as the REITs, the Real Estate Investment Trust. And I know annuities are a very dirty word, but they're not for everyone, so you need to ask your financial professional if an annuity would be a fit for you. If you're ready to make a change or create your first real retirement plan, call us, Lewis Financial Management. We're certified financial planners. We are focused on informing and enabling you, not selling you a product. And be careful about what you read and hear. It's good to have information, but what you see in the media isn't necessarily tailored to your specific needs. As experienced and knowledgeable certified financial planners with a retirement focus, we can help you and we can help equip you. We can make you feel more confident that you're working towards your goals. And we can do this while considering all the uncertainty that will always be in the market. And if you have questions about your investments, call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. We've been helping clients and others just like you for over 34 years. So do call us during the week, set an appointment to meet with myself or my daughter, Deborah, about your own financial plan and your own retirement goals. 
That office number again is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug and Linda, it's been a busy um, first half of the year, and a lot of things have been uh, talked about as far as regulation changes and things that were upcoming. And one of the surprising things that is new in the world of insurance planning is the changes in some of these products. That's right. Yeah. Well, what is new in the world of investment planning? Well, of course, uh, a lot of this turns upon the DOL, the Department of Labor fiduciary rule, which is hitting so much press, press these days. You know, the, the question starts like this. Should you buy life insurance to fund or augment your retirement savings? Now, due to this new fiduciary rule, many stockbrokers and investment professionals had already reevaluated what other products they're going to be recommending to clients in the futures. They're no longer going to be selling those expensive and high commission variable annuities. Additionally, many investment options being introduced are going to pay them on a fee basis rather than a commission basis. So investors' retirement savings could take a hit because those fees are going to add up over time. So as a result of these firms switching their models, they may be recommending to you life insurance products more often as a retirement planning tool. You need to be aware. Beware of this. I have at least one client who came to me and said they went to a presentation at the McKinnon Center at NC State where someone was presenting exactly this using an, a life insurance sales pitch for retirement planning. Be careful. That's right, because life insurance and retirement savings plans generally have two separate purposes. Retirement planning funds your life after work. Most life insurance policies fund your loved ones after you die. And there are two primary types of life insurance. One is term life insurance and the other is whole life insurance. Now, term life insurance provides coverage for a specific time period and has a specific premium that is based because are based on your age and health of you, the insured. Term life insurance is also called pure life insurance because its only purpose is to insure against your death. It generally does not accumulate additional value and it's not designed to financially protect. It's only designed to financially protect dependents in case you die. On the other hand, so-called whole or permanent life insurance, permanent payments uh, continue or it is fully funded, contains life insurance death benefit and separate components that build up cash value. In variable life insurance policies, the cash value is invested in subaccounts that the policyholder is usually able to select. And in index life insurance policies, the cash value grows based on pre-established index. Yeah, this type of policy has the ability to withdraw or borrow against its cash value. Those distributions through borrowing, of course, though you're borrowing from yourself, you realize, so they're 100% tax-free, versus many other types of retirement funds where when you borrow, they're not tax-free. However, interest rates on these loans are very high. Sometimes they're around 7% to 8%. And if you fail to pay off the loans or the withdrawals, 
this lowers your death benefit. Life insurance salespeople, they like to portray variable policies as the Swiss Army knives of insurance products. Future income, projected growth, tax benefits, death benefits, a fund to cover long-term nursing care, an emergency cash fund, and more. But hey, (laughs) my advice is watch out. That's right. There are three main negatives to using life insurance as a retirement vehicle. Number one, the first thing is the cost. You're paying for the underlying insurance, which you might not need down the road. Additionally, the fees can be three to four times higher than other savings options. Now, second, although the amount contributed for investing can vary, you must pay the premium until the policy is fully funded. Well, in normal and other types of retirement products, you can just stop contributing when you have had a bad year. Yet with this life insurance, you can't. Third, it probably will not make sense in your situation to fund the life insurance when you have not contributed to your 401k or your IRA. You will always be better off considering more traditional retirement savings options before venturing into other types. So I don't want to end the question by just saying nobody needs life insurance. Life insurance should be a consideration if you have dependents who rely on you financially. In the case of your untimely death, life insurance is going to ensure that your loved ones are provided for. Additionally, life insurance can cover any outstanding debts like a mortgage, as well as costs for your death and your funeral. It's important to note that life insurance should not be viewed as an investment. Underscore that life insurance should not be viewed as an investment. Its primary purpose is to insure against unexpected fatality and is therefore is legally a form of risk management. If you're looking to save for retirement or your child's future, there are much better options than life insurance. And if you have questions about your insurance, call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. A financial advisor has a fiduciary responsibility, one that is being underscored with the implementation of the fiduciary rule, and that is to recommend retirement options that are in your best interest. If an advisor suggests contributing more to life insurance than funding other retirement options, it may behoove you to get a second opinion. You need to call us, the Lewises, at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. As certified financial planners, we start with a holistic approach to your assets and future needs. The resulting financial plan will be a sound one based on your situation, not what may work for someone else. And I think that's the real key is that you need to know when someone is selling you a product for two or three different solutions to be solved, it more than likely is not going to solve the first thing that you needed it to solve to begin with. Yeah. Like guaranteed income. (laughs) Well, Doug and Deborah, I also wanted to say that that Insurance is one of the facets of comprehensive financial planning that we address in our office because some people want to know, am I adequately insured? Am I overly overinsured? Am I, do I need more insurance? And that, that is one of the aspects that we do cover in our practice. Yeah, and sometimes it's more psychological than that. I remember there was a person who wrote in and said, my wife and I both work 
We're trying to figure out when each of us will retire. What are the advantages and disadvantages of retiring together or at different times? How do you manage retirement when one spouse is still working? Well, of course, there's no single correct answer when it comes to timing retirement, but there are several points to consider. Retiring at the same time tends to work better, and most couples, by definition, navigate big changes in their lives together, relocating, sometimes starting a family, choosing and changing career paths, and retirement, of course, is a very big change. So if one spouse suddenly is staying home, it can throw a marriage out of whack and take something as simple as housework. When one spouse continues to work while the other retires, the working spouse may expect the latter to take on more responsibility for cleaning, running errands, and cooking. But the retired spouse may balk at suddenly becoming a full-time homemaker. So retiring together can help minimize such complications. Yes, some spouses who retire at the same time struggle with new routines and new boundaries. But that's usually because they fail to take time before retiring to address several fundamental questions like, what's our vision of later life? How do we plan to fill our days? What activities and interests will we pursue as a couple and individually? There's also one specific instance in which retiring at the same time can cause problems. Men and women often view decisions about retirement through different lenses. To be specific... When a husband retires, it is frequently an individual decision. His career has run its course, or he's reached a particular age or goal. You know, some uh, recently some of our clients have worked for the same company for 25 years, 30 years, 30, even 39 years. And yes, he might discuss the decision with his wife, but such chats are more likely to occur after he's already made up his mind, or all but made up his mind, right? Yeah, and then when a woman retires, by contrast, it's more likely to be a family decision. A husband expects the wife to leave work because he's doing so, or a family member, like an aging parent, requires care. In short, if a wife is pulled from a job or career before she might be ready, strains on the marriage are all but inevitable. Of course, many spouses can't or don't want to retire at the same time. Layoffs, health problems, working longer to qualify for a full pension or to beef up their nest egg, a spouse who simply loves his job or her job, any number of issues can translate into differing retirement dates. So if that's the case, the best way to manage retirement When one spouse is still working, is to talk about the transition. And I would tell you that so many times through the years, I have been in the middle of that discussion. They come into our office together and they just, they need to be able to talk it through, not only financially, which of course is the first part, are we able to do it? But then there's the emotional side. There's all the other parts, what it might look like, how it might work beforehand. What does each spouse expect from the new arrangement? How will roles and responsibilities shift? How will spending patterns in the household budget change? Or maybe does the retired spouse want to travel alone? All those are part of comprehensive financial planning. It's what we do day after day, year after year. 
isn't it true that, you know, and oftentimes when folks come in to meet with us, they just are so happy to have a third party. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Someone to listen with professional ears. You know, you're talking about a big life decision and weighing the pros and cons and the timing and everything. Well, someone can listen with their heart and their head. And if that person is a certified financial planner, they generally are looking um, at what has what will always be in your best interest to accomplish whatever it is that you see your retirement years looking like. That's right. You know, I don't think we've mentioned tonight on the air so far that for those clients that come in for their first meeting this next week, we will be giving away one of three free books, either The Wealthy Barber or Middle Class Millionaire or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. That's always our joy to give you something free when you come to visit us. Also, you can go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. And uh, yeah. Now, it's kind of funny. I think also that sometimes we as investors have amnesia. And one of the things that has uh, reared its ugly head one more time and that you need to be suspicious about are the subprime brokers who are back in demand by some of these companies. Brokers are willing to learn a lost art of making risky mortgages in demand again, which is so strange. Isn't that weird? We're yeah. not even 10 years after the crisis. And here they are again. Here they're, they are again, rearing yeah. their head, Remember peddling their the, the, awful. Those were the ninja loans and those mortgage <laughs> brokers are out there again. It's starting all over again. It was a very interesting article out of the Wall Street Journal. And boy, <laughs> how can they be doing this? <laughs> Mr. Boyd, uh, Brandon Boyd, was a high school junior doing, uh, during the financial crisis. And he now, was just so young. <laughs> now the former Calvin Klein salesman is teaching mortgage brokers how to make subprime loans. He was 25 years old, and he was an account executive at Fun Loans in a beach town outside San Diego. And he was at the cusp of of efforts to bring back an army of salespeople who once powered the mortgage industry and contributed to the housing crisis. Well, that's what's so surprising is this is a young guy with no experience who did not live through it, and yet he's one of these guys being um, uh, talked into going into this industry. Mortgage brokers who serve as middlemen between lenders and borrowers used to be a key part of the home loan process. But some brokers are dealing with only these subprime loans. Financial regulations have severely diminished their ranks since the housing meltdown, and non-bank lenders are typically catering to riskier borrowers that say they need brokers to fan out across the country. So beware. Well, yeah, Doug, They're Linda, out there again. I hear the music, so we better wrap up the show for tonight. We want to thank you for joining us with Money Matters with the Lewis family tonight, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Tonight, we've talked about self-employed retirement plans, having a personal financial plan, whether or not insurance should be viewed and used for investment purposes, retirement questions you should ask and know, the pros and cons of retiring together as a husband and wife, and then lastly, subprime mortgage loans. Join us each Saturday and Sunday night from 6 to 7 on 680 News Radio WPTF. And if you want to hear old shows, listen to our podcast. You've been listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. 
For more information, call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF.